Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, as we enter into your presence, we do so with great expectations. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Amen. In recent years, sociologists have suggested that the greatest threat to the United States Christian Church is this notion that faith helps one live a good and moral life and that it's just there to help us feel a little bit better about ourselves. This theology emerges from a study in 2006 of 3,000 teenagers by the National Study on Youth and Religion. It is a moral the- uh, therapeutic approach to faith, and it understands that God is the creator of all things and set a moral order in place, but then pretty much God is hands-off from there on in. The good news is that most of these young people did believe that if you were a nice person, you would go to heaven. Some scholars have said that we are now in what is considered a post-Christian era in the United States where Christianity is not all a bad thing. However, it is simply not a big deal. That God requires very little of us and that the church is a nice social institution that is filled with all kinds of nice and wonderful people. When Paul sends his second letter to Timothy in the middle of the first century, he is in prison. He takes this time to address some of the tough questions that are facing not only this young preacher, but a very fragile church at the time. Critics were asking, if Jesus came to conquer death, then why are so many being persecuted for their belief? And why is this Paul in prison? Paul writes to set the record straight about his suffering and also to encourage the young Timothy to stand up for his faith as well. I'm going to read the opening words of Paul in 2 Timothy, beginning with verse 1 and going through 14. Listen now for what Paul has to say to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, 
relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy name, calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immorality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. In the face of adversity and criticism uh, concerning faith, Paul lays out three practices that will deepen and embolden Timothy's faith. One that sustains uh, them even in the worst of circumstances, but more importantly, one that would become a beacon of hope and light in a world that was filled with darkness. First, he encourages Timothy to practice a gratitude for the faith foundation that he learned from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. Everyone here can recall someone who has been that person in their lives, perhaps a parent or a grandparent, a friend, or even an acquaintance that invited us to church for the first time. We stand on the shoulders of our earliest Wise County settlers who started this church. And they stood on the shoulders of the families and people that came before them. Today, as we circle around this world communion table, we do so with Christians all around the world. And we celebrate this holy meal with everyone that has come before us, including Timothy and Paul and Eunice and Lois. We also commune around this holy table with everybody in the world today, in one one people, listening to what Jesus has given us through this, this bread and this juice. We stand with people, whether they are in the United States or India or Guatemala or Haiti or the Congo or anywhere else. We also come together around this table in a holy mystery, a holy mystery that says today, even now, we stand with those who will come after us. And I'm talking about our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and our great-grandchildren's grandchildren. Look around this room. I see Ben, and I see um, Andrea, and I see all kinds of children who one day their grandchildren will stand around this table as well. This practice of gratitude for our faith foundation helps us to recognize that our setbacks, our challenges, our struggles 
are just as important as, as anyone who comes around us. But more importantly, they are a part of a much larger narrative that is God's holy salvation story. Then Paul says to Timothy that he should rekindle this gift of God that is within him to stand up boldly for the faith that has been growing within him, to witness to love and mercy of Christ because Christ is in him. That bold witness looks like this. A young man named Brant Jean took the stand and began to say that he loves and forgives the woman who shot and killed his brother. And in an act of passion and compassion, he asked if he might embrace her. And in a courtroom filled with judgment and filled with all kinds of people, they embraced and they cried. It also looks like the family members who attended the funeral of the man that shot their children in a school those Amish families that came to circle around the parents who also grieved the death of their son. Again and again, our nation stands stunned by this display of love, a love that is so powerful that it only comes from a faith that is strong enough to do the impossible with such acts of compassion. A lethargic, simply therapeutic Faith could not possibly be as bold a witness to this kind of Christian love and mercy and grace because it has never experienced it. Paul reminds Timothy that he was not transformed by merely an argument of words, even though Paul is really good at crafting words, but that it was an actual encounter with the risen Christ that transformed him. He reminds him that our call that Jesus asks of us is to forgive because we were forgiven, to love because we are loved. And finally, Paul encourages Timothy and us to get in touch with the giver of this faith. John Wesley calls that to stay in love with God. And Wesley lays out five means through which we might experience God's unmerited gift of grace for us. And they are praying. They are celebrating the Lord's Supper as often as we can. Searching the scriptures like we do this morning. And fasting. Fasting from things that distract us. Fasting from the hatred that poisons our soul and any forms of faith waste and excess of want. And then finally, Wesley says, one way that we can draw closer with God is through holy and meaningful conversation on real and important issues which threaten the love of neighbor. Our Christian life sometimes feel like it's under attack. When I'm out and about, sometimes I feel as though I'm not taken seriously. As though people believe that because I am a Christian, I have nothing to bring to the table. It's either insignificant or it is 
irrelevant. I sometimes feel as as though I have been prejudged, as though they already know how I'm going to act and behave and what I'm going to think. And perhaps there are times when there is some just behind those kind of uh, prejudice. But the worst thing that I feel as I am in the world is this sense of apathy. This sense that says, you're okay, Cassie. It's fine. You're a nice person. That sense that it makes no difference if I enter the conversation or not. And that one hurts. And that's when I'm reminded that it's important to stand up for faith. Because when the chips are down, when darkness fills the earth, when people are struggling just to put one foot in front of the other, it is only a strong and deep faith which can light that candle of hope for this broken world we live in. So I'm going to join Paul this morning, and I'm going to invite you to also boldly stand up for your faith, to share your witnesses, to be thankful for those who came before, and to rekindle your love with God. Through the name of the Holy Spirit, amen.